exploring the mysteries of life and the cosmos with an overwhelming desire to uncover buried truth, discovering whether or not human beings purposefully manipulated the world or something more spiritual has happened or is happening. Researching a wide range of topics such as conspiracies, religion, spirituality, science, health, and history, Apple of Perception delves into the beyond, where nothing is off-limits. This is Apple of Perception Podcast. If the world is an enigma, then everyone is either telling their own truths and or we're all pathological liars. Because everything is consciousness, choice dictates reality, and the truth is within. This is Joseph Edward Renee, and this is the Apple of Perception Podcast. Today I'm going to be going over a little information on Royal Raymond Reif. I often talk about him in my book, um, the frequency work he's done to cure disease and influence behavior with the extreme low frequency sound waves that he puts uh, into order and tells us what they do. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit about who he is and what he did for science and what happened to his work. And I get this um, information is often posted on many different websites, but from where I'm reading it is from alteredstates.net. Okay, Royal Raymond Reif. Imagine for a moment that you have spent more than two decades in painfully laborious research, that you have discovered an incredibly simple electronic approach to curing literally every disease on the planet caused by viruses and bacteria. Indeed, it is a discovery that would end the pain and suffering of countless millions and change the life on Earth forever. Certainly, the medical world would rush to embrace you with every imaginable accolade and financial reward imaginable. You would think so, wouldn't you? Unfortunately, arguably the greatest medical genius in all recorded history suffered a fate literally the opposite of the foregoing logical scenario. In fact, the history of medicine is replete with stories of genius betrayed by backward thought and jealousy, but most pathetically by greed and money. In the 19th century, Semmelweis struggled mightily to convince surgeons that it was a good idea to sterilize their instruments and to use sterile surgical procedures. Pasteur was ridiculed for years for his theory that germs could cause disease. Scores of other medical visionaries went through heck for simply challenging the medical status quo of the day, including such legends as Röntgen and his X-rays, Morton for promoting the absurd idea of anesthesia, Harvey for his theory of the circulation of blood, and many others in recent decades, including W.F. Koch, Ravici, Berzinski, Nassens, Prior, Livingston Wheeler, and Hoxley. Orthodox big money medicine resents and seeks to neutralize and or destroy those who challenge its beliefs. Often the visionary who challenges it pays a heavy price for his heresy. So you have to just discover a new therapy which can eradicate any microbial disease, but so far you and your amazing cure aren't very popular. What do you do next? Well, certainly the research foundations and teaching institutions would welcome news of your astounding discovery. 
Won't they be thrilled to learn you have a cure for the very same diseases they are receiving hundreds of millions of dollars per year to investigate? Maybe not. If it means the end of the gravy train, these people have mortgages to pay and families to support. On second thought, forget the research foundations. Perhaps you should take your discovery to the pharmaceutical industry. Certainly it would be of great interest to those protectors of humanity, right? But remember, you have developed a universal cure which makes drugs obsolete. So the pharmaceutical industry just make, might be less than thrilled to hear about your work. In fact, the big shots might even make it certain that your human disease-ending technology never sees the light of day by preventing it from becoming licensed by the regulatory agencies. Now, assuming your amazing cure is an electronic instrument, the only cost of using it is electricity, and it is absolutely harmless to patients who can recover without losing their hair, the family home, and their savings. So, with your technology, there is no longer any reason for people to, with cancer to pay over $300,000 per patient to become deathly ill from chemotherapy, radiation treatments, and the mutilation of surgery. It sounds like you won't find many friends and support among practicing oncologists, radiologists, or surgeons. You might try hospitals or big clinics, but how thrilled are they going to be about a therapy administered in any doctor's office which reverses the illness before the patient has to be hospitalized? Uh, thanks to you, the staffs of these institutions will essentially be out of work. Well then, how about the insurance companies? Surely they would be delighted to save the expense of hospitalization. At least the companies which haven't invested in hospitals, where the staff is now sitting around waiting for someone to break a leg or be in a car accident, and the ones who don't lose policyholders as a result of your invention, and the companies which aren't trying to divest their pharmaceutical stock. Oh well, forget the insurance companies too. It looks like you just might have a little problem with the medical establishment, no? Uh, probably the only friends you will have will be the patients and those progressive doctors who see change as an opportunity rather than a threat to their establishment and their money-making monopoly. Those people will love you, but they don't call the shots. What follows now is the story of exactly such a sensational therapy and what happened to it. In one of the blackest episodes in recorded history, this remarkable electronic therapy was sabotaged and buried by a ruthless group of men. It has reemerged in the underground medical alternative health world only since the mid-80s. This is the story of Royal Raymond Reif and his fabulous discoveries and electronic instruments. If you've never heard of Royal Raymond Reif before, prepare to be angered and incredulous at what this great man achieved for all of us, only to have it practically driven from the face of the planet. But reserve your final judgment and decision until after you've read this. Listen to this. Of course, some may regard this as just an amusing piece of fiction. However, for those who are willing to do some investigating on their own, there will be mentioned several highly respected doctors and medical authorities who worked with Rife, as well as some of the remarkable technical aspects of his creation. However, in the final analysis, the only real way to determine if such a revolutionary therapy exists is to experience it yourself. The medical literature is full of rigged double-blind clinical research tests, the results of which are often determined in advance by the vested corporate interests involved. 
If FDA and other regulatory and licensing procedures and guidelines are observed, it is your privilege to experiment with this harmless therapy. So let's now turn to the story of the most amazing medical pioneer of our century, Royal Raymond Reif. He was a brilliant scientist born in 1888 and died in 1971. After studying at Johns Hopkins, Reif developed technology which is still commonly used today in the fields of optics, electronics, radiochemistry, biochemistry, ballistics, and aviation. It is a fair statement that Reif practically developed bioelectric medicine himself. He received 14 major awards and honors and was given an honorary doctorate by the University of Heidelberg for his work. During the 66 years that Reif spent designing and building medical instruments, he worked for Zeiss Optics, the U.S. government, and several private benefactors. Most notable was millionaire Henry Timken, of Timken Roller Bearing fame. Because Reif was self-educated in so many different fields, he intuitively looked for his answers in areas beyond the rigid scientific structure of his day. He had mastered so many different disciplines that he literally had, at his intellectual disposal, the skills and knowledge of an entire team of scientists and technicians from a number of different scientific fields. So whenever new technology was needed to perform a new task, Reif simply invented and then built it himself. Reif's inventions include a heterodyning ultraviolet microscope, a microdissector, and a micromanipulator. When you thoroughly understand Reif's achievements, you may well decide that he has the most gifted, versatile scientific mind in human history. By 1920, Reif had finished building the world's first virus microscope. By 1933, he had perfected that technology and had constructed the incredibly complex universal microscope, which had nearly 6,000 different parts, and was capable of magnifying objects 60,000 times their normal size. With this incredible microscope, Reif became the first human being to actually see a live virus, and until quite recently, the universal microscope was the only one which was able to view live viruses. Modern electron microscopes instantly kill everything beneath them, viewing only the mummified remains and debris. What the Reif microscope can see is the bustling activity of living viruses as they change form and accommodate changes in environment replicate rapidly in response to carcinogens and transform normal cells into tumor cells. But how was Reif able to accomplish this in an age when electronics and medicine were still just evolving? Here are a few technical details to placate the skeptics. Reif painstakingly identified the individual spectroscopic signature of each microbe using a slit, mic or a slit spectroscope attachment. Then he slowly rotated block quartz prisms to focus light of a single wavelength upon the microorganism he was examining. This wavelength was selected because it resonated with the spectroscopic signature frequency of the microbe based on the now established fact that every molecule oscillates at its own distinct frequency. The atoms that come together to form a molecule are held together in that molecular configuration with a covalent energy bond which both emits and absorbs its own specific electromagnetic frequency. 
No two species of molecule have the same electromagnetic oscillations or energetic signature. Resonance amplifies light in the same way to ocean waves intensify each other when they emerge together. The result of using a resonant wavelength is that microorganisms which are invisible in white light suddenly become visible in a brilliant flash of light when they are exposed to the color frequency that resonates with their own distinct spectroscopic signature. Rife was thus able to see these otherwise invisible organisms and watch them actively invade tissue cultures. Rife's discovery enabled him to view organisms that no one else could see with ordinary microscopes. One was Virginia Livingston. She eventually moved from New Jersey to Rife's Point Loma in San Diego neighborhood and became frequent visitor of his lab. Virginia Livingston is now often given the credit for identifying the organism which causes human cancer. Beginning with research papers, she began publishing in 1948. In reality, Royal Rife had identified the human cancer virus first in 1920. Rife then made over 20,000 unsuccessful attempts to transform normal cells into tumor cells. He finally succeeded when he irradiated the cancer virus, passed it through a cell-catching ultrafine porcelain filter, and ejected it into lab animals. Not content to prove this virus would cause one tumor, Rife then created 400 tumors in succession from the same culture. He documented everything with film, photographs, and meticulous records. He named the cancer virus Cryptocides primordialis. Virginia Livingston in her papers renamed it Progenitor Cryptocides. Royal Rife was never even mentioned in her papers. In fact, Rife seldom got credit for his monumental discoveries. He was a quiet, unassuming scientist, dedicated to expanding his discoveries rather than to ambition, fame, and glory. His distaste for medical politics, which he could afford to ignore thanks to generous trusts set up by private benefactors, left him at a disadvantage later when powerful forces attacked him, coupled with the influence of the pharmaceutical industry and purging his papers from medical journals. It is hardly surprising that few have heard of Rife today. Meanwhile, debate raged between those who had seen viruses changing into different forms beneath Rife's microscopes and those who had not. Those who condemned without investigation, such as the influential Dr. Thomas Rivers, claimed these forms didn't exist because his microscope did not reveal them. Rivers argued that there was no logical basis for belief in this theory. The same argument is used today in evaluating many other alternative medical treatments. If there is no precedent, then it must not be valid. Nothing can convince a closed mind. Most had never actually looked through the San Diego microscopes. Air travel in the 1930s was uncom uncomfortable, primitive, and rather risky. So the debate about the life cycle of viruses was resolved in favor of those who never saw it. Even modern electron microscopes show frozen images, not the life cycle of viruses in process. Nevertheless, many scientists and doctors have since confirmed Rife's discovery of the cancer virus and its pleomorphic nature. 
using dark field techniques, the Nasen's microscope, and laboratory experiments. Reif also worked with the top scientists and doctors of this day who also confirmed or endorsed various areas of his work. They included E.C. Rosenau, Sr., longtime chief in bacteriology of the Mayo Clinic, uh, Arthur Kendall, director of Northwestern Medical School, Dr. George Dock, internationally renowned, Alvin Ford, famous pathologist, Rufus Klein-Schmidt, president of USC, R.T. Hamer, superintendent, Paradise Valley Sanitarium, Dr. Milbank Johnson, director of the Southern California AMA, Waylon Morrison, chief surgeon, Santa Fe Railway, uh, George Fisher, Children's Hospital in New York, Edward Copps, Metabolic Clinic of La Jolla, Carl Mayer, Hooper Foundation, senior uh, M. Zeit of Chicago University, and many others. Reif ignored the debate, preferring to concentrate on refining his method of destroying these tiny killer viruses. He used the same principle to kill them, which made them visible. Resonance. By increasing the intensity of a frequency which resonated naturally with these microbes, Reif increased their natural oscillations until they distorted and disintegrated from structural stresses. Reif called this frequency the mortal oscillatory rate, or MOR, and it did no harm whatsoever to the surrounding tissues. Today's Reif instruments use harmonics of the frequency shown on the display screen. The wavelength of the actual frequency shown between 770, 80 hertz, etc. is too long to do the job. This principle can be illustrated by using an intense musical note to shatter a wine glass. The molecules of the glass are already oscillating at some harmonic or multiple of that musical note. They are in resonance with it. Because everything else has a different resonant frequency, nothing but the glass is destroyed. There are literally hundreds of trillions of different resonant frequencies, and every species and molecule has its very own. It took Reif many years, working 48 hours at a time, until he discovered the frequencies which specifically destroyed herpes, polio, spinal meningitis, tetanus, influenza, and an immense number of other dangerous disease organisms. In 1934, the University of Southern California appointed a special medical research committee to bring terminal cancer patients from Pasadena County Hospital to Rife San Diego Laboratory and Clinic for treatment. The team included doctors and pathologists assigned to examine the patients, if still alive, in 90 days. After the 90 days of treatment, the committee concluded that 86.5% of the patients had been completely cured. The treatment was then adjusted, and the remaining 13.5% of the patients also responded within the next four weeks. The total recovery rate of using Rife's technology was 100%. On November 20, 1931, 44 of the nation's most respected medical authorities honored Royal Rife with a banquet billed as the end to all diseases at the Pasadena estate of Dr. Milbank Johnson. But by 1939, almost all of these distinguished doctors 
and scientists were denying that they had ever met Reif. What happened to make so many brilliant men have complete memory lapses? It seems that news of Reif's miracles with terminal patients had reached other ears. Remember our hypothetical questions earlier? What would happen if you discovered a cure for everything? You are now about to find out. At first, a token attempt was made to buy out Rife. Morris Fishbean, who had acquired the entire stock of the American Medical Association by 1934, sent an attorney to Rife with an offer you can't refuse. Rife refused. We may never know the exact terms of this offer, but we do know the terms of the offer Fishbean made to Harry Hoxley for control of his herbal cancer remedy. Fishbean's associates would receive all profits for nine years, and Hoxley would receive nothing. Then, if the, they were satisfied that it worked, Hoxley would begin to receive 10% of the profits. Hoxley decided that he would rather continue to make all the profits himself. When Hoxley turned Fishbean down, Fishbean used his immensely powerful political connections to have Hoxley arrested 125 times in a period of 16 months. The charges, based on practice without a license, were always thrown out of court, but the harassment drove Hoxley insane. Fishbean must have realized that this strategy would backfire with Rife. First, Rife could not be arrested like Hoxley for practicing without a license. A trial on trumped-up charges would mean that testimony supporting Rife would be introduced by prominent medical authorities working with Rife, and the defense would undoubtedly take the opportunity to introduce evidence, such as the 1934 medical study done with the USC. The last thing in the world that the pharmaceutical industry wanted was the public trial about a painless therapy that had cured 100% of the terminal cancer patients and cost nothing to use but a little electricity. It might give people the idea that they didn't need drugs. Finally, Reif had spent decades accumulating meticulous evidence of his work, including film and stop-motion photographs. No different tactics were needed. The first incident was the gradual pilfering of components, photographs, film, and written records from Rife's lab. The culprit was never caught. Then, while Rife struggled to reproduce his missing data in a day when photocopies and computers were not available, someone vandalized his precious virus microscopes. Pieces of the 5,682-piece universal microscope were stolen. Earlier, an arson fire had destroyed the multi-million dollar Burnett Lab in New Jersey, just as the scientists there were preparing to announce confirmation of Rife's work. But the final blow came later, when police illegally confiscated the remainder of Rife's 50 years of research. Then in 1939, agents of a family which controlled the drug industry assisted Philip Hoyland in a frivolous lawsuit against his own partners in the Beam Ray Corporation. This was the only company manufacturing Rife's frequency instruments. Rife was not a partner of it. Hoyland lost, but his assisted legal assault had the desired effect. The company was bankrupted by legal expenses, and during the Great Depression, this meant that 
commercial production of Rife's frequency instruments ceased completely. And remember what a universal cure meant to hospitals and research foundations? Doctors who tried to defend Rife's lost their foundation grants and their hospital privileges. On the other hand, big money was spent ensuring that doctors who had seen Rife's therapy would forget what they saw. Almost no price was too much to suppress it. Remember that today, treatment of a single cancer patient averages around $300,000. It's very big business. Thus, Arthur Kendall, the director of the Northwestern School of Medicine, who worked with Rife on the cancer virus, accepted almost a quarter of a million dollars to suddenly retire in Mexico. That was an exorbitant amount of money in the Depression. Dr. George Dock, another prominent figure who collaborated with Rife, was silenced with an enormous grant along with the highest honors at AMA. Between the carrots and the sticks, everyone except Dr. Kush and Dr. Milbank Johnson gave up Rife's work and went back to prescribing drugs. To finish the job, the medical journals, supported almost entirely by drug company revenues and controlled by the AMA, refused to publish any paper by anyone on Rife's therapy. Therefore, an entire generation of medical students graduated into practice without ever once hearing of Rife's breakthroughs in medicine. The magnitude of such an insane crime eclipses every mass murder in history. Cancer picks us off quietly, but by 1960, the casualties from this tiny virus exceeded the carnage of all the wars America ever fought. In 1989, it was estimated that 40% of us will experience cancer at some point in our lives. In Rife's lifetime, he had witnessed the progress of civilization from horse and buggy travel to jet planes. In that same time, he saw the epidemic of cancer increase from 1 in 24 Americans in 1905 to 1 in 3 in 1971 when Rife died. He also witnessed the phenomenal growth of the American Cancer Society, the Salk Foundation, and many others collecting hundreds of millions of dollars for diseases that were cured long before in his own San Diego laboratories. In one period, 176,500 cancer drugs were submitted for approval. Any that showed favorable results in only one-sixth of 1% 1 of these cases being studied could be licensed. Some of these drugs had a mortality rate of 14 to 17% when death came from the drug, not the cancer. The case was recorded as a complete or partial remission because the patient didn't actually die from the cancer. In reality, it was a race to see which would kill the patient first, the drug or the disease. The inevitable conclusion reached by Rife was that his lifelong labor and discoveries had not only been ignored, but probably would be buried with him. At that point, he ceased to produce much of anything and spent the last third of his life seeking oblivion in alcohol. It dulled the pain in his acute awareness of half a century of wasted effort ignored. While the unnecessary suffering of millions continued so that a vested few might profit, and profit they did, and profit they do. In 1971, Ro Royal Rife died from a combination of Valium and alcohol at the age of 83.
Perhaps his continual exposure to his own rife frequencies helped his body endure this abuse for so many years. Fortunately, his death was not the end of his electronic therapy. A few humanitarian doctors and engineers reconstructed his frequency instruments and kept his genius alive. Rife technology became publicly known again in 1986 with the publication of The Cancer Cure That Worked by Barry Lyons and other material about Royal Rife and his monumental work. One day, the name of Royal Raymond Rife may ascend to its rightful place as the giant of modern medical science. Until that time, his fabulous technology remains available only to the people who have the interest to seek it out. While perfectly legal for veterinarians to use to save the lives of animals, Rife's brilliant frequency therapy remains taboo to orthodox mainstream medicine because of the continuing threat that it poses to the international pharmaceutical medical monopoly that controls the lives and the deaths of the vast majority of the people on this planet. Again, this information is taken from alteredstates.net. That's altered-states.net. Um, I will leave the full hyperlink to that in the description of this episode. If you're interested, there are uh, descriptions of various Rife machines and thousands and thousands of frequencies to be used with them to eliminate diseases of every type. Parasites, staphylococci, diphtheria, rubella, Lyme disease, tuberculosis, candida, E. coli, bubonic plague, leprosy, herpes, syphilis, typhoid, gonorrhea, sarcoma, carcinoma, all types of cancers, pains, uh, even aligning the chakras is there are basic rife frequencies that can be applied to a number of different things and I will give a couple of examples um, that was a little warning I'm just going to inform you guys if you're listening to this at a higher volume you wanna, wanna, might want to just turn it down a little bit I'm going to play a little tones they might incite you in different ways so heads up a little forewarning uh, this first one is going to be just the alignment of the five chakras, which would be the 20 hertz frequency, 727, uh, 787, 800, and 880. And I'm leaving out the higher tones of 5,000 and 10,000 hertz because on the over the air, you know, they can they just sound like a high pitch noise. Uh, so here's a little example of that. This one's always sounded very familiar to me, as it's it sounds almost exactly like the uh, the medical gun that they use on Star Trek when they're scanning somebody for problems. I always found that interesting. This next one's a flatliner noise. The one in the uh, cardiogram just goes down, and the patient doesn't have a heartbeat. It stimulates the adrenal glands. I think it's a it's a combination of 10 hertz, 20 hertz and the 2,250 hertz. And just to return you guys to normality, I'm going to play the tone that normalizes adrenal function.
And then just to mess with you some more, I'm gonna create hypertension. And just to be fair, we will process that by normalizing your nervous system. Okay, that's enough of that nonsense. No more tones. <laughs> of course, these shouldn't be applied for therapy reasons uh, in just the auditory way, but through electrodes that are directly applied to the body. Uh, sometimes there's light waves. Uh, there's different methods for the therapeutical process of this, uh, but it gives you an idea of the hypnagogic properties, how you can be hip hypnotized by these auditory frequencies. Uh, and it is used frequently in the media. And it just gives you a heads up of what you could be subjecting yourself to through music and television, movies, etc. Uh, further studying into this topic will be uh, you can be provided with all the various frequencies used and the methods of doing so as they've been practiced by many with hard-to-find records, of course, of this harmless experimentation. If you would like to learn more about this, feel free to search the interwebs. None of this information is copyrighted, since it has to do with a lot of truths we're not supposed to know about. But of course, if you try to set up a practice and charge people money, you're going to get shut down. <laughs> That's just the way it is. There's no license for this that you can get because it's just not permitted. It's just like uh, herbal remedies, you know, God-given things you can't make money off of. I think that's the biggest part of it. It's kind of like the Prime Directive in its finest. Uh, Rife just discovered something and utilized his own method of using it. Uh, you, you can't slap a patent on a frequency. You, your machine it's really just making a noise that anybody can do. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's a huge gray area. But this earth, it's a place where suffering is meant to happen. Because it brings out the best in people. You know, pain transforms you. And to live in a world where all diseases are cured, it might not be the best idea for a new soul that needs to grow. And I think that's the best light that you can look at this in, is to why God permitted the titans of industry to shut Rife down. It's like the idea, if there was proof that God existed, you're not allowed to hear about it. Because it takes away choice. And it is the oppression of spirituality. You gotta have a choice. So, here it is. Rife's tech can cure all disease. If it's fiction, that's your choice. All I'm telling you is that for me, it works. And I found my own methods. I don't even need direct application of this stuff. I like the breathing methods, the meditation methods, which is your own way of applying the same technology and unlocking the healing power within yourself. And I'll get more into that in other episodes. For now, pay the respect where it is due. Royal Raymond Rife. Great man, great discovery. 
Remember, you can support this program by purchasing a copy of Apple Perception by J.E. Benet. That's B-E-N-N-E. It is available on Kindle and paperback through Amazon. Until next time, I am Joseph Edward Benet. Take it easy and be excellent to each other.